Hey girl, how's it going? Welcome to the third season of SBC. After a long and well-deserved break from the podcast, I'm back and excited to read more books, fall in love with more characters, and share all of these stories with you. Before we jump into today's story, though, I have some announcements to go through. First of all, as you can hear, I'm speaking in English, and this is how the pod is going to be from now on. If you've been listening from the start, you know that the first two seasons were quite confusing in terms of language. I feel like I was going back and forth between Portuguese and English a lot, and that definitely contributed to my getting tired of producing the show as much as I got. The decision to record the show in English came from the realization that a sizable portion of my audience are native speakers of English. Not only that, the non-native but considerably fluent speakers are the ones I'm trying to reach. As a passionate ESL teacher, avid reader and writer, I'm constantly combining my skills to offer my students good content in English for them to consume. Whether it's a story to read or a podcast to listen to, everything I create starts from a desire to tell a story and help others learn at the same time. So, if you're listening to this and English is not your first language, know that I admire you a lot for your effort. You're doing a great job. The second announcement is related to the books that I'll be choosing from now on. This show was born out of a desire to read more female authors, a desire that is still present and not going away. However, there are some amazing books that I feel like I was missing out on just because they were written by men. And this is not at all what I wanted to do. My intention was to seek out female authors that I didn't know, but I didn't want to ignore male writers in the process. This is what was done to women since the dawn of days, but it's not how we want to act, right? So, from now on, I'm not going to focus exclusively on women. Finally, a quick word on structure. Starting now, all episodes will contain spoilers as I'm going to be diving deeper into each book. There will be different sections, some more spoilery than others, but there will be spoilers either way, so be warned. Alright then, now that everybody knows what they're getting into, let's move on to our first section. children's books please in that room right over there would you like me to pick you out one with lots of pictures in it no thank you i'm sure i can manage you know you can have your very own library card and then you could take books home and you wouldn't have to walk here every day you could take as many as you like that would be wonderful Here in the library, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to be reading next, so you can prepare for the next episodes if you want to read along with me. I don't have any plans for an actual read-along as of yet, but who knows? I'm open to suggestions, so if you have any ideas, send them to me. The next episode will hopefully be released two weeks from now, on September 21st. This episode specifically will not be about a book, but I don't want to give any details about it ahead of time. You like it. I hope you'll love it, but you have to listen to it first. However, October is coming up. The horror month. 
not my favorite month, but a month when good things tend to happen, yeah. To celebrate Halloween, I'm going to release a new episode of SBC every Monday in October. What? Yes, you heard it right. On October 5th, I'm going to discuss The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. On the 12th, Life Among the Savages by Shirley Jackson, my beloved writer. On the 19th, my lucky number, I'm going to discuss I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. And on the 26th, Brother by Anya Alborn. Brother was only 17 reais on Amazon when I wrote the script, by the way, and I don't think the full price is much more expensive, so you should definitely check it out. You should check all the books out, yeah? Anyway, you probably want to hear about Verity, yes, I'm guessing that's why you're here. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this story. To Hermione Jean Granger, I leave my copy of the Tales of Beadle the Bard in the hope that she find it entertaining and instructive. Mummy should read me those. The Wizard in the Hopping Pot, Babbity Rabbity and the Cackling Stump. Come on. Babbity Rabbity. No? So this was taken from Verity's page on Goodreads. Lowen Ashley is a struggling writer on the brink of financial ruin when she accepts the job offer of a lifetime. Jeremy Crawford, husband of best-selling author Verity Crawford, has hired Lowen to complete the remaining books in a successful series that his injured wife won't be able to finish. Lowen arrives at the Crawford home, ready to sort through ears of Verity's notes and outlines, hoping to find enough material to get her started. What Lowen doesn't expect to uncover in the chaotic office is an unfinished autobiography Verity never intended for anyone to read. Page after page of bone-chilling admissions, including Verity's recollection of what really happened the day her daughter died. Lowen decides to keep the manuscript hidden from Jeremy, knowing its contents would devastate the already grieving father. But as Lowen's feelings for Jeremy begin to intensify, she recognizes all the ways she could benefit if he were to read his wife's words. After all, no matter how devoted Jeremy is to his injured wife, a truth this horrifying would make it impossible for him to continue to love her. A standalone romantic thriller from number one New York Times best-selling author Colin Hoover. I didn't know who Colin Hoover was before reading this book. I didn't have the background information that this is not the type of book that she usually writes. And I didn't even know what the book was about when I decided to read it. I just saw lots of people talking about it and thought it was worth the read. Had I known Colin Hoover usually writes new adult fiction, I would have probably had a different reading experience. Not better or worse, just different. I think I would have been more critical and less, hey, this is an interesting story, I want to know how it ends. But like I said, I went in blind and I honestly liked the book a lot until I started analyzing it for this episode. It's not the best thriller ever. It's really far from it. Um, I have thousands of issues with it, but it's entertaining. 
It's good in the sense that it kept me hooked from the first to the last lines. Um, I started reading on a Friday night and finished it the next Saturday before lunch was ready. So I was really curious about how it was going to end. But now, after some time has passed, I think I read Verity a month ago, maybe more. It's hard to tell time during this pandemic. But uh, now that time has passed, I keep going back to specific details and thinking, hmm, is that really uh, believable? <laughs> Would someone in this situation actually do this or act like that? I don't know. And speaking of people making terrible decisions, let's talk about the characters. Why don't I know you? I'm new. I just moved here from Africa. What? I used to be homeschooled. Wait, what? My mom taught me at home. No, no, I know what homeschool is. I'm not retarded. So you've actually never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up. I didn't say anything. Homeschooled. That's really interesting. Thanks. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? Oh, I don't know. Oh my God, I love your bracelet. Where did you get it? Oh, my mom made it for me. It's adorable. It's so fetch. What is fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. So if you're from Africa, why are you white? Oh my God, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. Could you give us some privacy for like one second? Yeah, sure. From here on out, I'm not going to hold back on spoilers, so this is your cue to leave if you don't want to hear it. There are three main characters in this book. There's Lowen, the protagonist, a big, introverted, socially anxious writer. There's Jeremy, Verity's husband, and there's Verity herself. Although her presence or better, her voice in the story is mainly heard through her manuscript. I'm gonna start with Lowen. I didn't agree with everything she did in this book, and this is my main uh, beef with her. Um, I think many of the situations felt a, a bit too much, and she didn't react as you would expect a person to react. Uh, like at the beginning, when Jeremy leads her to the coffee shop's restroom and locks the door. I mean, it's a, it's a first-person narrative. So we know she was at least a little bit suspicious, but come on. A man dies right in front of you in a horrible way. You get his blood all over you. You're in shock. And somehow you just trust the first stranger that comes behind you and let him take you away from the scene. Not only that, you also take your shirt off to clean yourself in front of him. I mean, I would have never done that. And I, my first reaction to extreme situations is, is shock. Is I, I get paralyzed. So in a way, I, I would be worse than her, but I wouldn't do that, I think. <laughs> my first thought when Jeremy started talking to Lowen was that he had pushed the guy that was next to her and was trying to, I don't know, seduce his next victim or at least make sure she hadn't seen any of that. But then again, I didn't know what the book was about. So that whole encounter was off for me. Just as her agreeing to spend the weekend in his house to go through Verity's stuff, 
girl, why are you doing that? <laughs> Jeremy says, oh, you have to spend some time there because it's just a lot of stuff. She says, no, I'll just drive by and get what I need. And he says, no, it's a lot. You don't understand. It's a lot. And she goes, okay, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> it's just so wrong. And to think that a woman who suffers from social anxiety, who had a, a terrible relationship with a par uh, a relationship with a parent who has recently passed away, uh, a woman who is afraid of social interactions as a whole, and who you would imagine had trust uh, issues, you know, to to think that a woman like that just agreed on spending the weekend and then even more time in a strange person's house, it's just, no, that that would never happen like that. Even if he was like, I don't know, Brad Pitt hot, the, the type of character Colin Hoover wants us to believe Lowen is, would never do something like that. And the first thing she should have done when she reached the end of the manuscript was to tell Jeremy about it, or... At least, I don't know, leave the house, yeah? Go away, go home, write the final books in Verity series from a hotel, from, you know, a coffee shop, from under the bridge. Call someone you know and ask them if you can spend a few days in their house. Call that slimy agent of yours. At least you wouldn't be in a strange house with people you don't know and one, possibly two killers. I don't know. That's just what I would do. But hey, I'm a Slytherin right? I don't go meddling in other people's problems and making them my own. God, I hadn't thought about the problems in this book until now. <sighs> okay, let's move on to Jeremy. I still haven't decided if he's a good guy or not. Well, he's not. He went from perfect loving husband and grieving father to murderer in an instant. So yeah, he's definitely not a good guy. But I mean, what do we believe, you know? Was the manuscript really just a writing exercise? Or was that note that Lowen found at the end just one of Verity's tricks? I don't know. I have this weird feeling because... At some point near the ending, I began to think Jeremy had orchestrated everything. Not the deaths of um, his daughters, but like, I thought he'd written the manuscript himself, like to justify his actions after he tried to kill his wife or something like that. And then he left the pages in a place where he knew Lowen would find them and he scared her, like locking the door and stuff like that, just so he could kill Verity for good. Is that too creepy? I don't know. And and the reason I have this weird feeling is because I think that that would have been a better ending than what actually happened. That whole, he killed her because he read the, the manuscript and wouldn't, given, wouldn't even give her a chance to defend herself explanation, it, it's just too dumb. It's the reason why YA novels are so infuriating sometimes. Literally all problems could be solved if people talked for five minutes. Ugh. I think I'm gonna stick to my ending. Yeah, Jeremy is a psychopath. He targeted Lowen after Verity. He pushed the guy in front of the truck at the beginning of the book. And he wrote the manuscript himself because he knew w uh, Lowen would believe it. There, 
It's bad, but it's still better than the actual story. Man, I'm really angry with this book now. But yeah, let's let's talk about Verity. What do I have to say about her? Everything we know about her horrible personality comes from the manuscript. But in the end, we discover that it was all a lie. So we don't really know Verity at all. Well, we know that she's supposed to be a good mother because she didn't actually kill her daughter and because she was trying to leave that house and take her son with her. But in all honesty, the fact that she stayed all that long... The fact that she didn't try to speak with the nurse and that she was even trying to protect Jeremy at the end doesn't make me like her more than the others. There's definitely an argument to be made here about being stuck in an abusive relationship, but... <sighs> Man, he lost it, you know? He got so furious he didn't even give you a chance to explain yourself, and he believed the manuscript you supposedly wrote as an exercise. <laughs> Girl, he was your husband. He is your husband, right? He was your husband. He's been married to you all that long, and he believed a piece of writing without thinking twice about it, knowing that you write fiction for a living, and... Uh, you still want to protect him after all of that? I mean, I don't know. I want to believe this would go down differently in real life, but unfortunately I know that of all the improbable and unrealistic things in this book, this is the most plausible. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not familiar with Colin Hoover's work. I don't know if she has the habit of leaving this breadcrumbs in the story for the readers to reflect on delicate topics. And I really have no clue if that's what she tried to do here, but Verity deserved better, one way or the other. It would have been so much better if she'd managed to escape with her son and we got to know who she really was in a sequel, you know, even if she were indeed a bitch, which I don't think is the case. Man, that was a tough ending for her. What do you think? Send me your thoughts. Do you agree with me? Did I miss anything? Was I too harsh? Let me know on Instagram. I'd love to hear your opinions. But before that, let's talk about what's good and what's bad in Verity. How often do you read it? Haven't you ever read the same book over and over again? Well, um, I guess I read Little Women more than once, but I mean, that's a classic. What's so great about The Shining? The question should be, Rach, what is not? So great about The Shining. Okay? And the answer would be nothing. All right? This is like the scariest book ever. I bet it's way better than that classic of yours. <laughs> okay. This book doesn't belong in the freezer, although it gave me a couple of good scares. When I read, I always picture the story happening as if in a movie in my mind. And the scene where Lowen looks out the window and sees Verity looking at her when she shouldn't... Ugh, that was a good one. I just pictured this woman in a vegetative state turning her head slightly so she could look at the stranger going through her stuff and living in her house. That was pretty freaky, I loved it. I also liked when Lowen saw Verity on the top of the stairs. Basically all scenes where she suspected Verity was conscious. These ones were well-written, in my opinion. 
when Lowen and Jeremy get locked inside the room, that was also good. Uh, it helped build up the suspense of not knowing at first, but then being absolutely sure that Verity was faking her condition. But other than that, I mean... Again, the way I see it, the only reason for Verity to have stayed in the house as long as she did was because she was afraid of trying to leave. And I don't see this character that is afraid of what her husband might do if he finds out she's actually okay. I don't see this person trying to protect him. And I get that he's supposed to be this hot, incredibly good in bed, loving husband, amazing father, and just overall stellar dude, but that's not who he is at the end of the day. And Verity found that out in the worst way possible, because he tried to kill her. So he he was so consumed with grief for his daughter that he believed the first explanation that he found for what happened, for what had happened at the lake. And I think that for him to have believed that manuscript, he was either troubled to begin with or detached from Verity somehow. Like, I don't think they had a very deep connection as a couple at that time. Uh, they might have been good and bad. If anything, the bite marks on the wood proved that that part of the manuscript was real. But I don't think their emotional connection was real. So... Yeah, these characters don't make good decisions at all, which brings me back to Lowen. I have a huge problem with characters acting like they're dumb just because they want to have sex. The way Lowen is presented to us, she, she doesn't seem like a woman who would get tricked by men so easily. But all that goes away when you put a hot guy in front of her. It's just, it, it's not credible. By the end of the book, she's just a horny zombie making these horrible decisions just because Jeremy's hot. I mean, she propped her hips up after they had sex just to make sure she would get pregnant. Oh, girl, no, just, just, just no. <laughs> and it's not like she killed her mom. Yeah, although she could be flat, flat out lying about that. I don't believe she's that type of unreliable narrator. It's not like Eleanor in The Haunting of Hugh House, where we know she knowingly let her mother die. It's not the same. So, ah, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to say. I, I thought I'd like the book because it was entertaining when I read it <clears throat> and didn't really think about it that much. But now that I stopped and analyzed it, I didn't like it as much as I thought it had. There are many problems in this story, and like I said, I'm not familiar with Colleen Hoover's writing at all, so I don't know if she usually writes horny zombie protagonists like that or not, but I mean, I, I still think it's entertaining. You know, it's a fast read, it doesn't get boring, the sex scenes are good, there's a shirtless hot guy chopping wood the whole time, so if you like that, there you go. I don't think people should pick up this book thinking they'll read a paralyzing, bone-chilling thriller full of unexpected twists and turns, because it's not that. I think Colleen Hoover tried to experiment in a different genre, but she didn't want to strip her writing of all the elements that make her f feel comfortable as a writer, so... Yeah, you, if you expect too much from it, you won't like it, but if you read it for what it actually is, you'll find it quite enjoyable. I certainly did. I think I gave it five stars right after I finished it. Now I'll give it, I don't know, 
2.5 stars. Is that too harsh? Oh god, let me know. That was SBC Season 3, Episode 1. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more. Check the episode's description for links and more info.